Midas Pharo looking for two. Doncaster straight. Can he do it again? Light up the world is getting up near the fence. But Pharo, Pharo dashed to the lead from Abbe Glenn and light up the world, followed by Aragen and Brave Warrior. But Gavin Eads goes for home on Pharo. Look at Auntie Mary. Auntie Mary out of the back. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. The Australian Turf Club continues a tradition established by the Australian Jockey Club in naming races after horses who were popular with the fans during their racing careers. Two old favourites will be honoured at the Randwick meeting on May 27. One was a champion, the other a genuine and consistent sprinter who always gave the punters a great sight. The sprinter in question is at sea whose 17 wins in the 1980s gave him a success rate of 52%. He was trained initially by Theo Green, but entered the Pat Webster stable following Theo's retirement. At sea, he never won a Group 1, but he won five races at Group 2 level, and one of them, the Canterbury Stakes, later became a Group 1. Sharing the spotlight with At Sea will be the unforgettable Octagonal whose 28 starts brought him 14 wins, seven seconds, one third for almost $6 million. He achieved two magnificent Group 1 sequences. He won four straight as a three-year-old in 1996 and exactly a year later put together another three Group 1s on the trot. Octagonal never won by fancy margins. He just seemed to know what he had to do to get the job done. Many among the big crowd at Randwick for his farewell appearance were devastated when he was beaten by Intergaze in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. At Sea and Octagonal were great crowd pleasers in their day and will be fondly remembered at Randwick on May 27. The Sydney race riding ranks have included a number of talented jockeys who've flown under the radar. Those jockeys who don't have the luxury of riding for major stables. Those jockeys who make the most of the occasional opportunity in town while concentrating largely on outside tracks. I was chatting with a former jockey recently who did exactly that up to his retirement in 2006. His name is Craig Rickson, currently a very busy jockey agent, formerly a respected hard-working and talented rider who posted 650 winners during a career of just over 20 years. Craig was initially apprenticed to Kevin Wallace at Hawkesbury before transferring to Ted Stanton at Rose Hill. He rode in a handful of Group 1 races without a win and regards a silver slipper on Dapper Magic in 1993 as his finest moment. Dapper Magic was trained by Jack Jury, a former Hawkesbury trainer with whom Craig had a successful association for a number of years. Jack was one of those trainers who often had a handy horse in the stable, and when he did, Craig Rickson was the jockey. He spent the last three and a half years of his riding career based in Port Macquarie, riding on several North Coast tracks where his services were in keen demand. He took to jockey management like a duck to water, putting his clients on regular winners 
largely because of his attention to form analysis. He's now 55 years old and lives in Newcastle with wife Sharon, and he's on the line to talk to us on the podcast. Cricket, lovely to welcome you to our Supernova Sound podcast. Thanks for your time. Oh, thank you, John. It's, it's a pleasure for you to think of me. Yes, thank you. Now, mate, the nickname Cricket, by which you are still universally known, intrigues me a bit. Where did that come from? Uh, early days, I was in a schoolboy's knockout. And, uh, we'd actually run third in the – it was a state knockout. And we're on our way to Port Macquarie, actually, and uh, – the train trip to War, War Hope and, and a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Moss, he en- ended up playing rugby league for uh, Balmain. Yeah. He was the one that gave me the name and it just stuck stuck at school, into the stables and uh, it never left me. <laughs> yeah. So for no particular reason? No, no, I, I don't recall the reason. Yeah, I was very <laughs> tidy. I was very tidy back in the day. So, yeah, yeah. but, but um, no, we had a really good little – Good footy side, yeah. I was playing at Leftbridge Park. Mm. It was a big school at the time, and uh, yeah, it was went on for weeks and weeks. The knockout, and yeah. mate, it was it was a part of my life that I I absolutely loved yeah. playing football. Yeah, but the same old problem that jockeys who would have preferred to be rugby league players have: too small, too light. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you became a jockey agent immediately after quitting the saddle in 2006 and your very first client was Anthony Choco Cavallo, who's still riding in the Western Districts and you're still his manager. Choco's a marvel. He is, and, and, and I know he's a bit younger than me and, and, I, and I notice he's only got eight more winners before he's rode a 1,000 winners, so for Choc... Chock to uh, to achieve that would be be a wonderful thing. He, he's a great man. He, he's very well respected in the industry. He, he he understands how much money owners put into the industry, and and um, he does his utmost best to you know to, to ride the horse, give them all the feedback they can, and and try and get that horse to win a race. So yeah, to his credit, he's an absolute champion. Yeah. He lives at Mudgee now and he covers the Central West and he is frequently in the winner's circle. He is, yes, yes. Kevin Sweeney, Canberra jockey, was another of your early clients and another marvel. He continued to ride winners into his 60s, as you well know. And his, word, yeah. his opinion was sought, Craig, by a wide range of trainers in the southern districts? Uh, Keith Dryden, uh, Trevor McCurry, uh, the Clarks, um, he, he was he was a marvel. Like, to watch him ride in his 60s and, and uh, I watch him just make runs. The runs weren't there and he just makes them and mm. I'd close my eyes watching them and just say, what a crack of a ride, you know. Like, yeah. he, he, he was an outstanding jockey and, and an outstanding person to go with it. Mm. Yeah. His nerve never diminished, did it? No, I think it was more his eyesight finished him than, than his nerve, yes. Mm. You had the privilege of managing the remarkable Samantha Clinton before the race fall in late 2016 that left her with very serious spinal injuries, put her on the sidelines for about two and a half years. 
She deserves special mention, Craig, whenever you're talking about the top tier of female jockeys. What a good rider. Yes, I, I, I would put her in the top three without a doubt. She, she was always unfortunate with injuries from, from early days. She broke legs, shoulders. You know, The injuries are probably the things that cost her from still riding today. Without it, she'd be in the, she'd be in the top two in Sydney today, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're anxiously awaiting the return to race riding of a brilliant apprentice called Anna Roper who's been out since last November when she suffered that complicated knee injury at Musselbrook. This little girl was the talk of racing after riding 41 winners between August 1st and November the 25th of last year, the date of the accident. When do we see Anna back in action? Well, Anna should be too far off. So she, she had a great master in Tracy Bartley. And, and Anna's work ethic to, to race out wide and, and for her boss, Tracy, to let her go to these places was remarkable. She's lucky she had a mum to, to drive her everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Tracy used to say, Craig, you got to tell her what she's doing wrong. And I could not get her on the phone. She was either sleeping, out of range, and I'm thinking, I've got to find a way to communicate with her and, and, and buy my, my program that I that I run, I started screenshotting the program and, and talking to her through email. So mm. a, a lot of that effort comes down to her listening and learning and, and uh, she was, she, as you said, she was she was flying. She, she was right up there with James McDonald at, at one stage and, and mm. uh, yeah, she, it was a real shame just for her to hurt her knee the way she did. And knees, it's it's worse than breaking a leg, you know. Like mm. you break a leg, you know, you're out for six months. Yeah. Yeah, cartilages, you, you just don't know how long you're out for. Mm. Anyway, from all reports, she'll be riding track work again shortly and it'll be a, a great thing for the ranks of uh, our junior riders when she's back in action. Very, very talented and very promising. Anna Roper. You're also looking after... Apprentices Ben Osmond and Will Stanley, whose careers are well underway. They've both ridden a number of winners of late. Ben's a tall boy, Craig, isn't he, which isn't uncommon these days. No, no, not, not today. Like the, the riding, um, minimum riding weight is, is keeping a, a lot of riders in the industry. And right now there is a lot of riders and it, it is very difficult. that They've really got to be at the top of their game to... to, to making roads into the provincials in the city, like early days when I rode, um, everyone give you a chance where today you, you've got to be doing really, really well for them to put you on down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's a, I'm very intrigued about a South African or an expat South African jockey who is in your care at the moment. You'll be introducing him shortly. His name is Donovan Yo. He's ridden between four and 500 winners in South Africa, the UK and Zimbabwe. He's been riding a lot of work lately for Brad Widdop at Hawkesbury and you tell me he is desperate to start riding in races. He, he really is, John. He's a fellow that I, I've watched a few of his race rides and I, I love his style. I, I love how he, the toes are in his eyes and where his knees are. He's got a really good balance, a good seat, 
And when I've seen him ride in the race, he, he's got just beautiful patience. In South Africa, riders are to, to watch Jeff Floyd come over, Glenn Schofield, like Chad, like the boys that have come over now, uh, they, they, they top line riders. Their academy in South Africa is, you know, you've got to be really good before you even make it. Uh, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to Donovan. Um, he's married with four kids and, and he's been here for four years on a working visa, but he's really, really wants wants to get up and go on and make a name for himself. Mm. So hopefully I, I can be the person that does it for him. When are we likely to see him riding in races in Sydney? He, he has his first ride for uh, Bradwood up at Hawkesbury next week mm. on Thursday. Um yeah, so well, tomorrow. So hopefully the, the ball starts rolling and we can get him on a wave like Anaropa. How's his weight? Weight's 53 and, you know, rides 50, 53 with notice. So mm. there, there could be opportunities on a Saturday in town where he, he may be able to get some of them light rides and, and, and hopefully have some luck. Yet another South African jockey in Sydney and his name is Donovan Yo, Y-E-O and he's managed by Craig Rickson. You, um, we've already talked about your nickname, of course. I was telling Tracy Bartley the other day that I was going to do a podcast with you, and he simply said, good old cricket. I'll have a listen to that one. <laughs> hey, he's been a good mate of mine, Trace. Like, there was quite a few apprentices at the time when, when I was coming through, and you, you, you could have thrown your colours into one, any one of us at, at the time, and... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were good riders, very good riders. You were very tiny when you began your apprenticeship with Kevin Wallace at Hawkesbury. I think his stables were at Windsor from memory. Um, he floated his horses to the track, didn't he? That's correct, South Windsor, yes. Mm. He'd been a jockey himself, so he obviously taught you the basics. Yes, yeah, he did, yeah. You had a lot of jump-out rides. You lost count and more than the required number of barrier trial rides, most of them before an AJC steward called Brian Killian, who had the final say back then as to when an apprentice could ride in races. You were absolutely devastated when he knocked you back the first time you applied. You couldn't believe it. Oh, no, I, I, I couldn't. I... I uh... I kept asking him. You only had to do the ten trials, and and I'd already done thirty, forty jump outs at Hawkesbury, <laughs> and I'd done me trials. I went to Rosal and done a few more, and I asked him, "No, you can't have it." I said, "Go to Randwick, and I'd ride." Went down for one. I picked up three or four more trial rides on the day, and mm. at the end of the day, I said, "Have I got me ticket?" He says, "No," and I said, "Why haven't I got me ticket?" I said, oh, "I'm doing everything you've asked me to do." Yeah. I said, "I've done it. I can do it." He said, "Craig," he said, "You're too small." Goodness and at the time, I was 34 and a half kilos when I had my first race ride. <laughs> and because I kicked up a seek, he said, okay, you've got it. And and uh, it was it was one of them, it was the greatest feeling because I had a mate at the time, Troy Phillips, who we were riding track work at the same time. Yeah. And, and we were in a race to uh, to have, have see who got the first race ride. So mm. it was a bit of competition there, which was, was always good. And uh, he actually beat me. <laughs> yeah, I hope yeah. Troy's okay. He's been riding work in recent times at Kembla Grange, but I think I heard somewhere that he had a track fall. 
he he got concussed. Yeah, he had a uh, he had he had a concussion. Yes, yeah. he's okay. So, oh, I've been meaning to ring him, but I, I wanted to leave it a few days because I I know the last concussion I got it. And, and and I was a little bit younger than what he is. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. I slept in hospital for three days. So you know, yeah. it, it's it's a it's an industry that's it's pretty hard on people. Um, but but uh, myself even, but yeah, you know, but the industries it it I it owes me nothing. I'm very satisfied for what it's given me and still given me today. So. Yeah, good on you, mate. Your first race ride was for Hawkesbury trainer Richard Nutman. At Newcastle, you can't remember the name of the horse, but you do no, remember you a... looked at a lot of rump steak. <laughs> yeah, I think I was. Yeah, he was a very big supporter of mine early days, Richard. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, her, him and Bernadette I was at their wedding. I remember. Yeah, so yeah. and to, and to watch their daughter Claire come through, uh, Claire Lever now mm. come through. It, it's really good to see. I, I love seeing them get results. You told me a lovely little story on the phone about that first day at Newcastle. You said you had an unofficial valet on the day who was obsessed with becoming a jockey himself. He was about 10 years old and he gave you a hand to get your silk cap over the safety helmet. Who was the 10-year-old? The 10-year-old was Grant Buckley. Good heavens. He, he, he ran to the races with his father, Clary. Mm. And and from from an early age he was always in the jockey's room. Clary would instead of going to school, Grant 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 went to the races, mm. and uh, he was there helping helping me get me gear ready. And and look where he is today. Uh, he, he's done a marvelous job. Um, he should be very proud of himself. Oh yeah, a very widely travelled jockey. I see you rode a winner at Tamworth the other day. Oh, he he New South Wales. It's. It used to be quite big when I was riding, but it's got smaller, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no way in the world I could travel to the places that they travel to. Yeah. yeah. We've already mentioned a couple of marvels during our chat, and there's another one, Grant Buckley. Took you 17 rides to win a race, and you remember the name of this one because you've got a photo hanging up at home. In fact, it's the only photo uh, you have on the wall in the house. The date, 3rd of November, 1984, horse was called Mystic Realm. Yes, it was, it was owned by, uh, going back to my early football days, rugby league days at, at Trigui, uh, there was a captain, Dave Condon, and his father, Terry Condon, owned the horse. Yeah. He, he, was a, he was a shareholder, and, and Terry Condon bought me the photo. My first winner happened to be with a good mate of mine that, that his father – and the horse, which was a great thrill, trained by a great trainer in, in, in Robbie Johnson at Hawkesbury. Mm. Um, Robbie was a, he was a leading trainer at Hawkesbury for many, many, many years. And, and when he three on one and said they win, that they, they won. Yeah. Your first city winner was for the legendary Betty Lane, who's still going in her well in her nineties. Horse's name was Rusklow. The venue was Randwick. Would have been exciting on any metropolitan track, but it was pretty special at Royal Randwick. Well, Royal Randwick, it is what it is. There's a lot of history behind it. Uh, Betty Lane, was a very good supporter of mine. There was a an owner there. I think his name was Warren McCulloch. He had horses there that that I rode, and and 
she yeah to put me on my first winter rusclo it was a, it was marvelous it was a bog track one by six or seven lengths and uh mm. if you, if you've seen the photos that they, they, they probably wouldn't give me another ride today <laughs> that was one of their horses was hanging and, 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 and uh i wasn't looking very good on it yeah <laughs> oh, you know rusclo uh, rings a big bell to me he got used to being ridden by good jockeys rusclo do you know the great Lester Piggott won a race on him at Randwick one day during one of his uh, tours to Sydney? Oh, that's right, yes. And, and and I rode with Lester while he was over. I actually, uh, he he was a bit deaf and very, very, never used to say a lot. But uh, mm. one day at Hawkesbury, I thought I could ride a winner and I had him screaming and yelling and I ended up getting suspended. <laughs> but I won the race. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you are. You got bragging rights on that one. You had the the privilege and the distinction of knocking down possibly the greatest jockey in the in world racing history. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he, he came over with big raps. <laughs> oh, did he ever? Nine yeah, yeah. English Derby winners, Craig. Who needs Craig, any other yeah. accreditation? Nine English Derbies. It's extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. An opportunity came up for you to join Teddy Stanton at Rose Hill. Ted at the time was training for Jack and Bob Ingham, whose father, Walter, had had horses with Ted's father, Bert Stanton, years before. Ted and Phyllis Stanton, you tell me, treated you like one of the family. They, they really were. They, they were beautiful people, beautiful family. I, I, I remember... Going in the first day, I got there at lunchtime and I said, when I start? He said, you start this afternoon. And he was very routine. He was, wasn't was allowed to leave the stables unless the shoes were clean, the car was clean. Yeah. Um, just everything was worked beautiful. And, and uh, from mucking boxes out, he'd start at one end, I'd start at the other, and you'd meet in the middle and, you know, Next thing you know, you're brushing manes and tails while he's putting the bridle on, you're leading them on the truck. It, yeah. Everything was the same every day. So he's routine. He was a very routine trainer. And and, and for home life, he, he absolutely loved his family. He he, he had me in a house uh, next door to him. And mm. I, I recall coming out of my time and I said, boss, I, I don't want to leave. Is it okay I stay? And... and and he said, yeah, my word. So I, I was very fortunate to, to have a boss yeah. and his wife and family to, to um, accept me to, to, to want to stay there after I come out of my time. Mm. I thought of a handful of winners you rode for Ted Stanton, Plush Miel. <laughs> I think you won three city races on Plush Miel. Horse called Rosnat was a city winner. Bad Habits was a city winner. He gave you great support right through. He really did. When, when I arrived, he, he all the horses that that he had when I got there were probably second class horses, really. Like, but he never ever travelled to the country. He only ever raced in the city or the provincials. Mm. And uh, to to his credit, he, he owned most of them. Mm. And uh, yeah, so yeah, he, he gave me every opportunity that I could that he could. Yes. Mm. Ted's stable jockey, or one of his stable jockeys at the time, was Cliff Clare, who was in the veteran class but still right at the top of his game. You tell me, Cliffy, who had his 92nd birthday uh, 
I think, late last year, was a wonderful mentor. No, he really was. When, when I arrived at, at Ted's dead, he was still riding track work, and he he he, he he's a good mate of, of Ted's. Mm. Obviously, won a, a golden slipper with Sweet Embrace, mm. and he wouldn't say a lot, Cliff. But when he told you something, you listened, and 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 he explained it in a way that it made sense. And to this day, all the kids that I get, I'll pass any information on that Cliff give me, I'd pass it on to mm. the apprentices that I manage today, yeah. Mm, good news. I had the pleasure of doing a quick little interview with Cliff at the Jockeys Reunion at Randwick, uh, August of last year. He was 91 then and uh, he was attentive, he was fluent, he was interesting, he was informative, remarkable mm. man. Yeah, he'd be best of mates of him in the morning and in the afternoon he'd have you hanging over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> there were two Cliffy Clares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a, he was a, he was a tough competitor. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, but, he, but a great man, an absolute great man. I, I'm very lucky to uh, have ridden with him. Like early days, like we mentioned Clary Buckley, Cliff Clare, Bill Kamer, Jack Thompson, Normie Munsey, I, I rode with all them older riders and and, um, and to go in the room as a, as a 16-year-old weighing 35 kilos, it was, mm. they sat in the middle of them and they taught you a lot. You know, they, they, they were really, really great mentors and, and um, probably made the jockey that I, <laughs> that I ended up, yes. Mm. Around 1990, Teddy Stanton was given the task of looking after a brilliant two-year-old filly from Western Australia by the name of Paklani. She won the Sweet Embrace Stakes at Canterbury with Jim Cassidy up. She ran third in Canny Lad's Golden Slipper. Now, you were riding Paklani most of her work at that time, and, Craig, you tell me you're adamant she is the best horse you ever sat on. Yeah, yeah, with, without a doubt, like... Uh... I, my, my father was training out at Hawkesbury and I said, Dad, I just jumped on my first ever racehorse. He said, what do you mean? You've been riding for a dozen years. I mm. said, well, I just found one that can run. She was, <laughs> eh? Yeah. So she, she was outstanding. I, I remember Jimmy Cassidy coming up he, and I said, you got to ride in the slipper yet? He said, no, he was going to ride her in the sweet embrace. Mm. And I said to him, I said, oh, don't pull the whip on it. He said, why is that? I said, you'll fall off the back of it. <laughs> she'll be anyway, that fast, he, yeah. He said, oh, she was unbelievable. With a three-quarter pace, she'd be running the best of the morning. She, she just had a, an unbelievable stride, and you really had to be really careful going three-quarter. You, you felt like mm. you were cantering, you were going half pace. Yeah, deceptive. And, and she mm. just covered that ground so easy. Yeah, and, and, and Jimmy, uh, he, he got off her after the gallop, and he said, what price is she in the slipper? I said, she's 33 to 1. He said, Craig, get it today. You won't get it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so he, he took the ride. He, he sat five deep in, in, a, in the sweet embrace, and, and uh, she won running away. Like she was a she was a real good horse. Like it was a shame the, the golden slipper was wet. I think with me run second, and and she was yeah. in the worst going. And and you probably try track. I think she wins. Yeah, I remember her well. She ran a hell of a race to, to finish third to Canny Lad. And with me, who later won an Oakley plate. Yeah, with Malcolm Johnson on. Yep, 
Now, Craig, I'll get you to stand by for a moment. We're going to pause to clear a commitment on the podcast. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about a horse who didn't reach the annals of the all-time great, but he did you a very big favour one day at Randwick. I'll give you his name so you can have a little think while the commercial goes on. His name was Richie's Patch. Back with Craig Rickson in a moment. Australian trainers are giving Pride's Racing Cube the thumbs up. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube is a set recipe formulation in which the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Mornington trainer Jason Warren introduced his horses to Racing Cube early this year and is delighted with the results. We've had a great deal of success since making that change. So really pleased with Pride's and not only the racing cubes, they've got a number of other feeds that work well for us. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at a very economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed Stable. Trainers are giving it the tick of approval all around the nation. My special guest, former successful jockey and currently a busy jockey manager, is Craig Rickson. Now, you were riding a horse called Richie's Patch track work for months and you were wondering whenever Ted Stanton was going to produce him. It happened at the end of the 1988-89 season in a race for non-metropolitan winners at Randwick over 1,400 metres. He was at huge odds. I recall the horse, I rode him every morning for Ted and mm. he went half pace around the Equitrack back back then, back in them days mm. and he would turn him out. I'd bring him in, he'd go half pace and I rode him for two years doing this, just going half pace around the Equitrack. <laughs> You're kidding. And, and uh, right. he, he, never, he never went pace work, he, ne- he never galloped and he said he's not ready, just kept going half pace around the track and, and uh, when – Eventually, he did start to go on pace work and galloping, and I said, well, geez, I think we've got a pretty smart one here. Mm. And uh, I rode him in a trial and I just held him up in a trial, and he said, how's he going? I said, oh, he goes enormous. I said, he, he's flying. Mm. He said, I oh, will trial him again. And, and uh, <laughs> I, tri- I, tri- I trialed him again, and I won the trial. I went, Ted, I said, I, th- I think I've blown this. I, I said, he's just beaten a horse that won a race, a horse named Bill that was trained by Doc Chapman mm. and Jimmy Cassie was riding. He'd won a race in Rosal on a Saturday. Mm. I said, well, I think I've just blown this horse's price. I said, oh, I couldn't stop it. You'd be popular. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was back in them days. The, the, the owners, you know, they enjoyed having a punt. And, uh, oh, here I am kicking myself. And he goes, Craig, he said, we waited this long. He said, by the time we send him around, he said, no, everyone would have forgotten him anyway. <laughs> oh, don't tell me he turned him out again. No, we, we just kept him in work and just kept yeah. him working, half, back back to half pace around the, around the Equitrack. Mm. And uh, 
and, and, he, and he did. He, he went to Ram Week and we really, really, really liked him. And uh, uh, I, I remember walking onto the race course and I never told a soul, you know. And, and, and a good friend of mine, uh, he was training at, training at the time, uh, Brucey Johnson. I used to ride a yeah. horse called High Hunter for him. And, and uh, I said, Bruce, I said, if you're having a bet, back this thing in the first. I said, I, I think you can win. But any, anyway, uh, I went into the room and uh, lo and behold, like I, I've lobbed box seaters and I'm just joking and I'm thinking, hey, how good is this? You know, like I've, yeah. he's relaxed. He, you know, he's got around the corner and like I think oh, this things are going perfect. And all of a sudden, I had two horses stop in front of me right oh, at the same dear. time, and I'm mm. going, oh no, like <laughs> what's yeah. going on? And, and I, by the time I got to the top of the rise at Randwick, I was probably seventh, and I hadn't hadn't pressed the button and and. Uh, but when I did see um, some air, like I just went went through the motions and and geez, he just attacked the line and yeah. and he won by a long head running away. So mm, thank, and, God. And <laughs> thank, thank God, thank God. But for for Teddy Stanton to do what he did for that yeah. horse was was unbelievable training mm. effort, like uh, unbelievable. Yeah, mm. and I, I remember going home and pouring money. Bags and bags of money out on the table. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, yeah. So yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a very good day in racing. Yeah, you couldn't do it today, mate. <laughs> no way, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, the, the form and, and the videos and, mm. and uh, like we've all got it now. So it, yeah. it's free for everyone to look at and, and, and there's no hiding them today. The, no. Yeah. No, that was but, from another era and Ted was a product of that era. Yeah. Teddy's smile, of course, was very famous in racing. It wouldn't matter whether, uh, you know, it was a high or a low, Ted would always flash that famous smile, and I bet it looked like a split watermelon the day you came back on Richie's yeah. patch. Uh, he's a very down-to-earth person and, and uh, look, always laughing, joking, having a good time. It took nothing serious. He, he, he When he did train horses, though, he... he he tried things. He just kept trying things. Yeah. For, for all the years I was there, I, I think I was three and a half years, maybe maybe four. Mm. I seen a vet three times. Yeah, and, and, and each time he, the horse needed retiring. You know, mm. it was it was just um, it was just an absolute legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A horseman from another time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember early days. I, I'd done work experience. At Ramwick for Bernie Burns, mm. my first boss, his wife Lee, yeah. was it was her father, and and yeah. uh, there's a horse called John Dye. Noel, Noel Smith used to ride. Yes, I remember John Dye. You, you may remember him, and and uh, I recall with Bernie. Um, I will tell you, the owners were Ronnie Craig and and Reg Reg Inglis. Uh, John, Ingl- John Inglis. John Inglis. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's right. John Dye. Yeah. Yeah, John Dye, and um, he he won two at in town at Randwick on a Saturday, and and old Bernie he said he said that horse Craig he said it's cooked. I said, what do you mean it's cooked? Mm. He, he said the way it's standing there with its tail up in the air with the wind blowing up its backside, he said <laughs> it's cooked, yeah. and the horse never won again. No, flattened him. Never, and he said it to that day. I was yeah. there. I remember the same time I was in working them beautiful stables. Mm. They were filming the the show um, Farlap. Yeah, 
yeah. That's right. That, Bernie that, trained in the big stable. That's right, yeah. Yeah, wonderful building and luckily is, has been retained by the developers uh, as a wonderful tourist attraction. I hope they oh, leave awesome. it there forever. Yeah, glorious oh, I building. I hope they do, yeah. 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 It was, that was another privilege to, to work there, you know. Like it's, uh, he was a great man and, and, and Ronnie, Ronnie Kroger, like later in life I had the opportunity to jump on one of his horses at track work as a baby, as a two-year-old, hmm. Samantha Miss. Yes. And, and we all know what she went on and done and she, she was an outstanding Mm. Outstanding uh, little filly when, when I was riding her, yeah. Yeah. In the early 1990s, you forged a terrific association with Jack Jury at Hawkesbury, a very astute trainer who rarely had more than 12, 13, 14 horses in work. He could really get one ready, couldn't he? Uh, Jack was – he was a worker. He, 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 he was very, very similar to – Ted Stanton, in a way, he, he was happy. He was whistling all the time, and it always had a fag in his mouth. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he 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 made your work. He got there with you every day, six days a week. He he was you turn up early, and he would have been there, you know. Mm. And he was very loyal, man. Very loyal. Um, I was so blessed to be to have someone that, mm. that was that loyal because. Yeah, we we had some handy horses go through the stables, and mm. he, he stuck by you a hundred percent. None handier than Dapper Magic, a son of uh, Sir Dapper, in the early nineteen nineties. Uh, bought him cheaply too, didn't he? I think he was a real yeah, cheapie. Two thousand five hundred. Good heavens. from the from the scan sales or or maybe the Hawkesbury sales, mm. but but um from the day I rode him as a yearling. He he was just different to every other horse that you'd ridden, mm. and and by the time we got him to the two-year-old trials, we just say, look, how would he go? I said he would just win, you know. Mm. And he won his first trial, won his second trial, mm. and, and he he was a three-year-old, four-year-old in the head, and yeah. could run like them when he when he was early two, and he he was at his top. From day one, yeah. he was at his top. Just a natural. And just a natural. And yeah. th- for him, like he ran second in the Breeders' Plate, won That's the Canterbury right. Stakes. Yeah. And then won, won a Silver Slipper. He, he, he won a Illawarra Mercury, which was the old Brambles Classic. Yeah. Um, but by the time he got to that stage, when he won the Classic at, at Kembla Grange, uh, I think he ran one nine something. Um, yeah. The, the 12 months earlier, the Illawarra Turf Club used to pay up the late nominations for the Golden Slipper, mm. and it was 110,000 late noms. Yeah. And Jack Jury, he wanted to run the horse in the slipper. And I said, mate, they've caught up to him. He, he hasn't improved, and the others are catching up and gone past him. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel that, you know, he may have wasted 110000 if he was to go around in the slipper. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never had a ride in the slipper, never had an offer in the slipper. No. But I felt that I couldn't justify 110000 to hopefully run fifth. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so. Jack Jury came up with a smart horse on a regular basis. Shineover was a good case in point. 
He won eight races and ran 19 placings. You won four on him, including two in the city. Just a nice horse, wasn't he, Shineover? He, he was, and, and, and his 19 placings, I think it was his 13th place before he won his first race. Yeah. So he ran a heap of placings, and because he was so consistent, he kept getting top weight, top weight, and top weight. Mm. It wasn't until he matured into a horse yeah. that he started carrying them weights. Mm. And he, he, he was a marvellous horse. And, 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 and I remember buying him at the, at the English sales. Mm. And, and Jack said, come and have a look, come and have a look at him. And, and mm. he bought him walking around the ring, and, and he was laying down. And when he stood up, his legs were bent everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, well, good luck with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with this one. Yeah, he, he had a Roman nose. He had bent legs, and, and, and he turned yeah. out the one he was. He, yeah. he was absolutely marvellous horse. You know, eight he was wins, a really good horse. Eight wins, nineteen placings with a Roman yeah. nose and bent legs. <laughs> <laughs> Jack saw something yeah. in him. Gee, he could find one. Jack Jewry, Shiftway Gold was another. You won a couple at Hawkesbury on him, and one in the city. Uh, Tangalooma Gold was another city winner. Uh, and you were right at the top of your form too in that era. During your days at Rose Hill, many of the local trainers used your services, including Ray Guy, Paul Sutherland and Brian Mayfield-Smith. Now, Brian put you on a nice horse one day in a mile welter at Warwick Farm and you got the job done. The horse was Indian Raj, who later won a Newcastle Cup. He won a Mannion Cup and he ran second in a Metropolitan. Did he feel like a Group 1 horse the day you rode him? Uh, John, to tell you the truth, he, he was a – there was only one jockey that ever won on him. I think it was Jim Cassidy. He, he knew him back to front, and mm. and I wouldn't have won on him only for, for Jim Cassidy. You know, he, he was – he told me the day, and, and the day I rode him, he said, look, Craig, he said he, he'll, he'll be midfield – He'll come off the bridle when they quicken. He said, whatever you do, don't chase him. He said, you chase him? He said, he'll run, he'll run last. He yeah. said, but as soon as he comes off the bridle, he said, you pull that bit back in his mouth and click, 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 click. And uh, so I, I get to, the, say, the 650, 650. I'm pushing him along. I said, oh, no, Jimmy said, you know, to pull back, pull back. And, and I'm pulling back and clicking, clicking. And, uh, you know, 200 metres goes by and all of a sudden, Bang, his horse turns on. And when he turned on, he, he was taking runs that weren't, weren't there. I wasn't steering him. He was just taking them. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, and he attacked the line. I went, wow, what a horse. Like, mm. just crazy how good, good he felt. And uh, I recall, I recall, I think he might have won a summer cup after that. And he was, mm. when it was going around in the Canterbury Cup. And Jimmy Cassie had taken another ride in the race. And Nigel Tiley was on him this day. And, and, uh, I said to Jim, I said, are you going to tell Nigel how to ride this horse? Because Jim was the stable jockey for, for Brian Bayfield Smith at the time. Yeah, but he had he another said, ride in the race. <laughs> he'd I... taken another ride in the race. And I said, have you told Nigel how to ride this horse? He said, no, no, and nor will you be. <laughs> I, I can see that coming. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so you have to keep yeah. it quiet. Yeah. But, but, you know, like, yeah, the, the uh, only for Jimmy, like there's a tip that, that I pass on to other riders today and, and uh, yeah, I had Ronnie Quinton, I rode, I rode a good horse one day in drought mm. and uh, he, he 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 come out like a two-mile horse over a mile and uh, yeah. 
Ron Quinton said, oh, you know, like, he said, if you ever want them to race forward, he said, trot them around in a figure eight. He said, they'll pin the lids and, and, and just race a bit handy without you having to push them there. Mm. So, you know, track bias today is very important, and, and that's more information I, I like to pass on to other riders as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did ride Drought one day, a good-looking horse by Crested Wave. It was a mile welter at Warwick Farm. He ran fourth, and the trainer, John Maher, was not happy. Not at all, no, no. He, uh, he was expecting the horse to be closer, and uh, and I think with the, the massive weight that he carried, uh, he just got way back out of his ground, and, and um, he was running on all too late, and... Uh, you know, back in them days, they unleashed on you in the enclosure mm-hmm. in front of everyone. <laughs> Barry Lockwood was another Rose Hill trainer you rode quite a bit for, still training successfully in Brisbane. Remember you winning a race at Randwick one day for Barry on a horse called Toscanini, and I also recall you were going to Ballina, beautiful Ballina, to ride a Dracula filly called Sacrare in the Ballina bracelet. That was a good one. It was. I think Toscanini was owned by David Gouts, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he one day uh, uh, I, I trialed him at, at Rose Hill, and, and, and I knew the horse was going well. And I was literally scraping the outside fence down the back straight around the corner where no one could see. Mm-hmm. And then when I straightened up, I, I, I pulled him in behind him and said, this is flying, you know. And, and uh, Barry was in Melbourne at the time and David Gouds and they were all at the race. So I said, this horse is flying. And, and they put me on him and he they backed him from 40s in the 10s and he won me six, seven lengths. And uh, mm. it, it was just a great day. Like, yeah, and next, I think the next day he won the Kim Grange Cup with with uh, Ken Russell on board. Mm. Yeah, so, so like... It was it was hard as as a rider you know to go and win on a horse and at Ramwick and they they plonk the money on and next up yeah you see another rider on but yeah this is what happens in the industry yeah mm. on two occasions you rode five winners in a day first time was at Bungendore near Queenbairn five winners a second and a third the second time. You performed that feat was at Orange in 1995. Seven rides, five wins, a second and a third. And coincidentally, both of your second place getters received some sort of interference and you actually protested on both of them at Bungendore and Orange. That's, that's correct. Like, look, I had great support from, from them Country trainers, Jana Williams was one. Um, Sally Rowe, there was a few Hawkesbury trainers when I rode the winners at, at Orange. But both times it was like the last race when I'd run second and protested. And mm. I'd already won five. And honestly, both times I felt I probably should have won that protest. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was unlucky not to ride six, I reckon. And that's right. Yeah, both times. Could have yeah. easily been six on, on both occasions, but let's not yeah. be greedy. That's Let's not be great. It was a great day. Both days were very, very proud to have done that, yes. As the opportunity started to dry up and the weight started to creep up, you decided on the country life for your twilight years in the saddle. You bought a block of land and you actually built a home at Shelley Beach at Port Macquarie where you would spend the next three and a half years. 
three and a half very happy years and a lot of winners. Look, look, I, I uh, was more or less towards the end of me tether and I thought it was the last throw of the dice. And uh, by the time I built the block of land and I, I'd had connection, uh, one connection was Barry Lockwood. And uh, at the time, I, I remember the first morning going to ride work. I, I come home and I said to my wife, I said, I think I'm in trouble because the ones I rode work this morning, you'd actually fit them inside the ones that I used to ride work. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, but you know, it took took me. Oh, I reckon it took me a good three months um, to find find me feet and and, and build a clientele. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, the next three years was nothing but positive. So I, I was very fortunate. Yes. You rode well, a I actually good... rode a horse. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, John. I actually rode a horse out of Port Macquarie. Yeah, a, a race in an Australian Derby. A horse called Sly Dog. Right. And, and uh, at the time, I, I'd rode him a couple of times in the far lap and, and a midweek at, in town. He, he, he was a, he was a handy horse. And I said to the trainer, he, which he leased him, and and he he had to pay ten thousand dollars that. that to pay up to race a horse in the Derby, and, and he was a good friend of mine, Rod Burns. Mm. And I, I recall it was a he- heavy track, and Eremine won, won, won the Derby. Mm. And uh, you just days at the races, like I had one ride, I'm riding the Australian Derby, rained, it was a heavy track, and the horse couldn't handle a heavy track. And I've talked, he made into spending 10000 to run it in the Derby. I said, mate, it'll run of the first ten. I'll guarantee to run of the first ten. Well, anyway, I, <laughs> anyway, I've pulled the whip and I, I couldn't see me goggles and, and uh, I just keep pulling the whip and just keep it going from stopping, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I've counted. I'm trying to count the horses. I said, I think I'm on tenth or ninth. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I run ninth and uh, yeah. I recall having that one ride at Randwick. The family went to the races. They all got new clothes, and on my way to the races, I, I got booked. Listening to the to the form gu- guide on the radio, mm. and on the way home, I, I, I got a phone call from the stewards, uh, a, a fine for excessive use of the whip. Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, "Hey, I said that they paid up ten thousand. They don't get it if they don't run the first ten. They said they won't. They they don't care. It's, it's a <laughs> it's a fine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah." Got one a, jockey's going to be very happy. One, one other jockey's going to be thinking, what, what the frick hell do I do that for? <laughs> yeah, but, mate, what a privilege to ride in the historic AJC derby. My word, my word. Mate, time's on the wing here, Craig. I'm just looking at some of your highlights during those years at Port Macquarie. You won six races on a lovely mare called Our Gal Sal for Johnny Sprague. You won a Taree Cup on Wicked Wizard for Matt Dale. You won a Wingham Cup run at Taree on leg irons for young Alicia Willick. Uh, You won a Kempsey Cup on phantom long legs for Neil Godbolt. You had a good time in those last few years of race riding. My my word, I I think the country people probably brought the best out of me where they're more more focused on racing than I probably was when I I was living at Penrith. Mm. And, and, And I feel... Yeah, it's probably me, like, my last few years were probably my best years, yes, mm. yes. You and your wonderful wife, Sharon, are the proud parents of Chantel, who's 33, and Sean, who's 30. 
So the kids spent an important part of their upbringing at beautiful Port Macquarie. Well, they did, and, and they spent a lot of time in the car going to the races too. They keep reminding me of that, but that uh, what we did do was move back to Newcastle, and, and they, mm. they said to themselves it was the best move we ever made. And uh, my daughter's married with with, um, with three grandchildren now, so so we're very privileged to be still very close, and and we all live a good life. Yeah. Not only are you chasing rides all day, every day for your team of jockeys, but you're immersed in form. You tell me you actually supply several fellow jockey agents with comprehensive form coverage. You don't get much spare time. No, no I don't, John. It, it, it's a program that it's about getting the best ride in the fastest time. We, we don't have the privilege of watching videos in three days before the race starts, as soon as the nominations come out, I wanted to set the program up in a way where how do I find the best ride in the race mm. right there and then. And by purchasing the ratings, average margins, average prize money, I, I have um, the class of race that were in, the, the value of the race, how many days since they raced the form. So it's all fixed on one page. So there's no scrolling involved. There's a lot of toggling. You can put the ratings to the top, the lowest average margin to the top, the highest average price point to the top. So what I'm looking for and 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 helping is we need we need to find the best rides right away. And by horses that are exceeding my data, that tells me there's two or three horses that are chasing one race. And yep. For for an ex jockey learn, learning how, how to read, you're always being taught to read form. You you, know, you read the paper, you're reading form, you're doing form. Mm. Where this eliminates a lot of the time of reading form, and also you know you, you need to go in and check to see if they can handle the distance, the, the track conditions, and that they've won in this grade. So all that information's there, and mm. and I feel it's. It's, it's a fast way of doing form and, and, and hopefully down the track I, I can add some improvements Yeah, and, and, and more and more people come on board. The program's called Jockman. Yep. It's under the jockey manager, but there's, there's still – until I get 100%, I'll maybe – That'll be my, my final job of, yeah. of off, offloading the, the form guide, yeah. When you get it fine-tuned, I understand. Fine-tuned, yeah. Craig, you got a big buzz one day at Rose Hill as we come to the end of our chat. You were standing in the mounting enclosure pre-race with your colours on and a very great Australian walked up, Bob Hawke, Prime Minister of Australia. He recognised hey. you, he shook hands, he called you by name and that was the moment you realised twenty years of race riding had been well spent. Well, my word! Like we we have so much um, so much to give back to the game. Um, like to, to to be standing there and you know the prime minister come up and shake your hand and you know call you by your first name. It was like wow! Like you know, but you don't realise at the time, you know, just what racing offers to people and. and it's such a, a marvellous industry where, you know, the prize money today, it, it is just people are just loving it. But, yeah. 
Unbelievable. Craig, we're out of time. It's been a delight to catch up and to thanks, reminisce thanks, with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to call many of your 650 winners and I have very clear recollections of your talents as a jockey. Congratulations on a great job. Well done. Thanks for talking to us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thank you, Tappy. Thanks. The Australian Turf Club continues a tradition established by the Australian Jockey Club in naming races after horses who were popular with the fans during their racing careers. Two old favourites will be honoured at the Randwick meeting on May 27. One was a champion, the other a genuine and consistent sprinter who always gave the punters a great sight. The sprinter in question is at sea, whose 17 wins in the 1980s gave him a success rate of 52%. He was trained initially by Theo Green, but entered the Pat Webster stable following Theo's retirement. At sea, he never won a Group 1, but he won five races at Group 2 level, and one of them, the Canterbury Stakes, later became a Group 1. Sharing the spotlight with At Sea will be the unforgettable Octagonal, whose 28 starts brought him 14 wins, 7 seconds, 1 third for almost $6 million. He achieved two magnificent Group 1 sequences. He won four straight as a three-year-old in 1996 and exactly a year later put together another three Group 1s on the trot. Octagonal never won by fancy margins. He just seemed to know what he had to do to get the job done. Many among the big crowd at Randwick for his farewell appearance were devastated when he was beaten by Intergaze in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. At Sea and Octagonal were great crowd pleasers in their day and will be fondly remembered at Randwick 